Hello, and welcome back to the Odd Mom Podcast. In today's episode, I'll be talking about first steps. I'll start by talking about what exactly ADHD is, and then I'll get into what you should do if you think your child might have ADHD and they haven't been diagnosed yet. Okay, let's get started. So today I'd like to start with an overview of what ADHD is because I myself didn't fully understand it until I found out my son has it. Um, So, you know, over the years, being in education, I'm a teacher um, even, there's this misconception that if someone can't sit down to read a book or forgets things easily, or doesn't pay attention in conversation. You know, someone might make the offhand comment, oh, you know, I must be ADD or have ADHD. And it's so much more than that. Um, ADHD is actually classified as a mental disorder. And people with ADHD have different brain activity. There are three types of ADHD. Um, there's the inattentive type, there's the hyperactive slash impulsive type, and then there's the combined type, which is the most common. And my son Noah has the combined type. So, you know, sometimes it's like you'll say something to him and it just doesn't register. He's just not hearing it. And at other times... You know, he acts impulsively. He, you'll, you'll hear him fidgeting in his car seat, um, can't sit still, um, things like that. But I will say, in my experience, ADHD is not a subtle thing. If someone truly has it, chances are it is disrupting their way of life. For us, um, before his diagnosis, Noah was unable to function in the daycare or school setting successfully. Um, He also has sensory processing issues, which were factoring into that. But I mean, I will say if you are on the verge of like, does my child have it? Do they not have it? It really is kind of a severity thing, I think, where, you know, the misconception is it's just someone's forgetful or energetic or, you know, doesn't like to do passive activities. And it it is so much more than that. It really is something where the brain is just different and the way of reacting to things is different. And in my experience, it really does impact the person's way of life. And when when you're dealing with a child, it impacts the whole family. So if you're feeling the weight of that, then, then it is something that you'll want to look into because it, it could potentially be ADHD. Now I'd like to discuss first steps. So what do you do if you think your child might have ADHD or some other 
condition. What I recommend is just start by logging the things that you're noticing. With Noah, we started to track specific behaviors, including the times that they were occurring and the precursors to the behaviors. So we were able to see that, you know, and in his case, it wasn't just a single thing that would cause him to melt down. It wasn't always a specific time of day, even in the beginning. Um, so we were able to see also that it was happening in multiple settings. Um, so, I mean, it, it did seem to happen more at school, but I think that's because of the structured environment where those things were more noticeable and, it, and it's a more restrictive environment. Whereas at home, he had a little more flexibility and freedom, so he wasn't getting set off as frequently. But um, logging all of that and presenting it to the doctor once we got to that point did help move the process along more smoothly. So step one, I would say, would be, what do you see your child doing? Are they, you know, having rages? Are they not following instructions? Are they unable to sit for a reasonable amount of time developmentally? You know, choose the behaviors that you see as problematic and really track them when they're occurring and inciting events that might be setting off certain behaviors and keep a log of that. Also, um, something to consider is, do you think your child has a speech or other type of delay? If you do, I recommend contacting uh, your local Department of Human Services office, um, and they can do an in-home evaluation. They can come and see if your child is on track with their uh, speech development and other developmental milestones. And that's a good place to start. With Noah, um, in the beginning, he was not speaking. He was not coming out with, with too many words. Um, so we did have him evaluated, and they said he was okay. And it's funny because a few weeks later, he started talking in full sentences. So, you know, he just did it differently. Um, his, his speech development pattern was atypical. And that can signal certain conditions. So I would pay close attention to the milestones, developmental milestones. And if you think your child is not hitting those milestones, I would call um, your local Department of Human Services office uh, to have that in-home evaluation. And I would like to add that according to Medical News Today, um, a delay in motor development, speech and language development, and or behavioral difficulties, um, these things suggest a child may have ADHD. So pay close attention to the milestones and whether or not your child is hitting them um, because research is starting to show that there could be a link there. 
um, that those delays could be associated with ADHD or, or even some other condition. So um, just something to consider as your child is uh, growing. So to recap, step one would be um, be sure to track your child's behaviors when they're occurring and the precursors to the behaviors. Step two, pay attention if you notice any type of developmental speech and language or behavioral delays. Step three would be to talk to your pediatrician. So at this point, I would take all of your questions and concerns to your child's doctor and try their suggestions. In Noah's case, they, they told me he was being oppositional and having these meltdowns um, because he was just testing the waters. He was trying to see what the limits were and he was testing the limits. So they, they told me on, one, on the one hand, um, be sure to, to be firm and, and set limits. But then they, it was sort of contradictory because then on the other hand, they would tell me, um, you know, but, but don't be too forceful because if he does have this oppositional side to his nature, that's just going to make it worse. So you have to make these tasks fun. You have to make them a game. You have to try to engage him. And, um, you know, I did, I tried, but it wasn't working. And, um, so our, that did not resolve our issues. I tried the suggestions and there was still no improvement. So if that happens, if you go to your doctor and you seek their advice and they, they give you a plan and you try it and there's still no improvement at that point, I would push for a referral to a child psychiatrist. So um, your your pediatrician should be able to provide you with a list of in-network providers. And at this time, if your child is, I would say, at least four or five years old, I would also recommend looking into um, getting a neuropsychological evaluation done on your child. Um, Mine was covered by our office visit copay. And um, it's basically a, a like a one to two hour, hour appointment where the doctor tests your child in a number of, you know, different activities. And, um, and then about two weeks later, you get an intensive report um, with possible diagnoses. And um, I do recommend that your child be at least four or five to have this evaluation done um, because some of the conditions cannot be diagnosed until a little bit later of an age. So I feel like if you're going to invest the time and money in this, you know, this might be something that is better done at least when the child is four or five. In Noah's case, he was five. So during all of this, um, you will be asked to fill out questionnaires as a parent, and you will be asked to obtain feedback from um, child care providers and or teachers um, as well. So you'll 
you'll need to fill out questionnaires and um, other caregivers who interact with your child will also be asked to fill out questionnaires. And um, this information will, will help the doctors to make diagnosis because um, a lot of these conditions, there's no medical test that can be done. Um, the diagnosis is made based on these, uh, these questionnaires. Okay, so step three is see your pediatrician. And then if that doesn't cause uh, your situation to resolve, then the next step beyond that would be to get a referral to a child psychiatrist and um, also consider having a neuropsychological evaluation done. So if your child is in daycare or school at this time, be sure to keep all written reports regarding behavior and other issues as documentation. Um, if problems are occurring across multiple settings and for more than one year, then, um, you know, the documentation of this can help your medical provider in the diagnosis process and the treatment process. And um, if you are seeing that these behaviors are persisting over an extended period of, period of time in multiple settings, um, you will definitely want to be sure to initiate the IEP process as early as possible once your child starts school. So in Noah's case, he was only in preschool. And um, I mean, he had been having issues in all daycare settings, and even in that early intervention preschool program. And um, his issues were happening frequently enough and um, with an intense an intensity, um, enough of a severity, um, and we had enough documentation to get him diagnosed early and get an IEP set up for him before he even started kindergarten. What is an IEP and why is it good? An IEP is an individualized education plan. So basically, um, your, your child's teachers, administrators, and you come together and you formulate a document or plan to ensure that your child can be successful in the school setting. And that looks different for for every child with disabilities, um, it could mean your child will be in a regular classroom with um, certain modifications and accommodations. Um, it could mean that your child is in a, a special classroom setting with a special ed teacher and paraprofessionals. Um, it just it it's different for every child with disabilities. But this plan is individualized to, to fit your child's needs based on their condition, their current behaviors, their current performance, and, um, you know, approaches that can actually help them be successful. Um, why is it good? I feel like it offers a certain amount of protection for children, to be honest. Um, Noah's had some pretty significant meltdowns where, he has um, sometimes harmed himself, damaged school property. And these are things that 
kids can be punished for. But in his case, because he has a diagnosis, because he is legally protected by this IEP, and those behaviors are associated with his medical condition, he can't really be punished for it. Um, instead, we look at it as how can we how can we work to prevent this going forward? Um, and it's more solution-oriented rather than punitive. So, you know, if you feel like your child has some sort of medical condition, delay, or disability, I, I strongly recommend initiating the IEP process as early as possible. Okay, um, I'm just going to end with some final thoughts before I recap what I've covered in this episode. Um, something that I've come across in my research, but that we did not try with Noah, is called the NEBA. Um, and according to WebMD, the NEBA, which is a neuropsychological EEG based assessment aid, it's a, it's a brain scan that measures theta and beta brain waves, um, because the theta-beta ratio tends to be higher in children and teens with ADHD. So they can test these ratios and that can help um, lead to a diagnosis. Again, that is not something that I have experience with, but uh, I did come across it in my research and thought I would throw it out there. Something else that I came across is that um, there is a link between ADHD and uh, epilepsy. And according to the Epilepsy Foundation, ADHD occurs more frequently in people with epilepsy. So um, that's something else that I thought was interesting and maybe just something to keep in mind if your child, um, if you're not sure what condition your child has and you're trying to find answers, it's just Another piece of information that might be helpful. Um, I wanted to reinforce the importance of establishing constant positive communication with your child's teachers and caregivers um, and establish that communication as early as possible. And I always recommend establishing communication in a sense of, I just want to get updates and information. You know, I'm open, come to me, let's, let's uh, solve this problem together. And the more you approach things like that, it helps to prevent the communication from becoming negative or punitive. So um, I do really recommend getting to know your child's teachers and establishing that positive rapport as quickly as possible. I also recommend to seek counseling. Uh, when you have a child with special needs, um, your child and their condition, you know, naturally moves to the forefront and, and it can take over your life. And Yes, that can be necessary, but it, it can also be mentally and emotionally exhausting. And sometimes you just need support and an outlet um, 
And for me, counseling has been a lifeline and it's really helped to get me through those days where I just felt like I can't do this anymore. You know, why me? Um, it's just helped me to keep going and, and stay as positive as I can. Uh, please remember, ADHD is an illness that can be treated, you know, with um, collaboration, with medication and or therapy, with an IEP. These things can all help your child to achieve success in school and life. And, um, you know, in the past, perhaps individuals with ADHD were marginalized and did not receive the same opportunities in education and, and in life. But we live in a time where, you know, this, this condition is getting more attention and research and people are starting to understand it more and be more patient with it. Um, and the best thing to do is accept it for what it is and tackle it from all sides. So that's treating the emotional needs of the child, um, you know, getting them on medication. If, if you feel comfortable with that and that feels like something that's right for your family, um, seeking out, um, behavioral therapy and working with uh, the school to ensure that your child can be successful. Um, we're lucky to live in a time where, you know, children with disabilities are protected in school and um, there are special teachers out there who that's their passion to make sure that those kids have a chance. Thank you so much for joining me for episode two of the Odd Mom podcast. Um, To recap what I talked about today, ADHD is a mental disorder. There are three types of ADHD. There's the inattentive type, the hyperactive type, and the combined type. When it comes to first steps, if you think your child may have ADHD or some other condition, I recommend uh, the first step be to uh, track problematic behaviors, including the time at which they are occurring and any precursors to the behaviors. Um, Step two, pay attention for possible delays. Uh, Step three, talk to your pediatrician and try their suggestions. And if you're still not seeing improvement, push for a referral to a child psychiatrist. Um... Other possible resources would be to contact your local Department of Human Services for an in-home evaluation um, or to look into having a neuropsychological evaluation done on your child. Uh, but again, with that, I recommend the child be at least at least four or five years old. Um, I also recommended keeping all written reports regarding behavior and other issues as documentation um, because that can help your doctor in the diagnosis process. 
Um, I also recommended if, if the problem behaviors are persisting for more than a year in multiple settings, once your child's in school, to initiate that IEP process as early as possible. And I also recommended being sure to, as soon as you can, establish a positive communication with your child's caregivers and teachers um, to keep correspondence as solution-oriented as possible and to prevent it from becoming negative or punitive. And finally, please seek counseling if you're struggling. Um, Having a special needs child can feel like a burden at times. It is not easy by any means. Um, You know, every day you you have to choose to fight the fight. You have to show up for your child. And, uh, you know, it's a struggle sometimes to be patient and to put your own needs aside and uh, to do what you need to do for your child. But that said, you still need to take care of yourself. And, um, you know, counseling, like I said, has been a lifeline for me. And there is absolutely no shame in seeking out someone who can offer you some emotional support and help put things in perspective when when you're feeling um, overwhelmed. So thanks again for tuning in for episode two. Um, I'll be back soon with episode three.